Welcome back to the Browned Out Podcast. I'm Peter Moses in Los Angeles. I'm Gates Merriman in Chicago. I know this is week eight, Gates, but it sure feels like our first real podcast of the season. It does. Um, the Browns are exactly the Browns that we know and love right now. Yeah, they pulled a red wedding in the middle of the season. Big time, big time. It was... It was <laughs> It was fun watching the, like, the, is it going to be Hugh or is it going to be Todd? And then it was like, oh, it's Hugh. Oh, shit, it's both. And now we have a guy named Freddie Kitchens running the offense. <laughs> and running our defense is Tommy Bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> In special teams, it's Mike Garage. Yep. Keep going. Honestly, if you uh, and our... Tight ends uh, coaches, Philly. Our tight ends coach. <laughs> Bedroom. Did you already say bedroom? I think I did. Fuck. No, maybe I said... My house doesn't have many right. rooms, so I don't have much to draw off of. Oh, quarterback coach, Dominic Basement. <laughs> Speaking of the basement... New... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, us in the division. Yes. We've, uh, yeah. uh, last time you heard us on this podcast was uh, insane. We were two insane people still plotting our way to the playoffs. Yeah, we were... Um, okay, what, were we We were two and two? Had just beaten the Ravens? We were, we were going into the San Diego Chargers game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. That didn't go so good. The game where it felt like the Browns, like Hugh Jackson, was losing to a 13-year-old playing Madden yep. who found one play to keep running over and over again because there was a glitch in the defense. And every time they handed the running back the ball, they got seven and a half yards. Well, that was a really bad game. The Chargers are okay. That game, I was like, all right, sometimes you just get beat. But um, looking that back, definitely, it, it was a, an omen of things to come. Sure. It was the beginning of this ugly-ass three, three weeks that really, you know, put us back to exactly where we've been the entire time we've been doing this podcast, but, where we question everything that's ever happened and wonder if there's any hope for the future. <laughs> I know this is going to sound weird coming on the heels of what you just said, but in some way, did it also potentially vault us forward, this three-game losing streak that we were just on? Because here's the thing. Maybe. the Maybe the worst-case scenario for this year was Hugh Jackson eking out seven wins and being allowed to stay as head coach of this team. Even, you know what, yes. fuck it. Okay. It may have been the it, worst thing if he got nine wins and we got a fucking wild card berth. Anyway, Hugh Jackson remaining the coach of this team was the worst result we could ask for. Here's what I'll say to that. There is no way Hugh Jackson is going to win seven games with this team in, in hindsight. <laughs> like, there's just no fucking That's way that was going to happen. No, you're right. They should have been four and two. Mm-hmm. And he really coached them to two, three, and one. Uh, so I don't really I, – I, I get what you're saying is true. I think probably it was a good thing because I feel like Todd Haley just started to hate Baker Mayfield. Like he – he's like – he's getting into that Tim Couch, even like Deshaun Kaiser, Matt Castle. Like they're just – the schemes they're running, they're just putting him back there to get murdered. Yeah, he's getting absolutely killed. It's looking really bad. And, yeah, he's not getting any any help. Oh, you know who's um, who would have been helpful? Duke Johnson. Remember when he got like 25 yards in the first two plays of the Steelers game this week? And then we were like, three more carries for you, my friend. I imagine there had to be a conversation where John Dorsey goes to uh, Freddie Silverware Kitchens and is like, listen, dude, um, 
I don't care what the fuck you do. Can you please not get my quarterback murdered? This is um, telling of just the depths of misery that we are in as Browns fans, but I'm a little bit excited for Freddie Kitchens at the, as the offensive coordinator. He was the play caller for, and again, I know what I'm saying here is loco, but he was the play caller for our fourth preseason game against the Detroit Lions, and Baker Mayfield looked really good in that game. Gates, I don't want to be dramatic, but I think you are 100% correct. <laughs> All in for that game because they looked dope. They ripped up the Lions in game four of the preseason. That's where we are. Yeah, the we're Lions back up. And we're like, remember how awesome we were in the preseason? Oh, my God, those were good times. This is last year. This is last year all over again. It really is. <sighs> I watched some of the press conference. I don't know if you've had the uh, the pleasure yet of watching Dorsey and Haslam go out and answer questions. But every single question from the Cleveland media had the subtext of, hey, Jimmy, do you think it's you? <laughs> like, I know you created this ridiculous structure where you are in between the general manager and the head coach. Do you think that's a terrible idea? Yeah, you- and he's like, no, 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 I'm no, no, I don't want to go that far yet. Yeah. It's like, oh, OK, so maybe after like the fifth GM and the eighth coach, you'll go after yeah. that. Like when. It's amazing that he has another business other than the Cleveland Browns, and that was the one that was rated for, like, fraud. <laughs> I, it's um, and, and arguably a more successful business. Pl- Pilot Flying J doing a lot better than the Cleveland Browns under Jimmy Haslam's stewardship. <laughs> and they had to pay the government a billion yeah. dollars like for him not to go to jail. Are going to prison. Yeah. Or, no, he paid $100 million to not go to yeah. prison, basically. <clears throat> um. The, the I was hoping really hard that yesterday Jimmy Haslam would be like, like, John Dorsey is the president of this team now. And, like, he will be in charge of hiring the new coach. Like, I'll have input, but John Dorsey's hiring the new coach. I, I'm stupidly hopeful that that's how it's going to work out anyway. But, um, yeah. I think we're all hoping that he, that's behind the scenes what's really going to happen. But... Haslam's just too much of an idiot with an ego to ever actually put that into practice. It's it's like, in what world could that possibly work? Is there another NFL team or any other sports organization where the like day to day manager and the like overseer are on the same level? It doesn't. It makes no fucking sense. Other than Jerry Jones, I don't think so. Oh wait, maybe one other franchise: the Cleveland fucking Cavaliers. Oh yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Ty Lue, most successful coach in Cleveland history. At least Congrats to the Cleveland Cavaliers who have – the Browns have been doing the same thing they've been doing for 20 years and like now are back officially as the second best run franchise in Cleveland. That's true. Like The Cavs are probably irrelevant until uh, – not this upcoming, like, till, like, the 2024 presidential election. Yeah, it's... Like, I don't, like... And that's if they, like, do everything they can to do a good job to develop players, which is something that they have never been able to do. So Dan, uh, Dan Gilbert bought the team in, what, 2004? He bought it when LeBron was on it. So he's basically, like, never really known a LeBron this time besides those four years where we were one of the worst teams in basketball. Like, I don't think he has any... No, I know he has no idea what to do like, trying to build a roster from the ground up. And he doesn't have the no. patience to let anyone else do it. I don't know. Kobe Altman seems okay. You know who was a really good general manager? Uh, David Griffin, the guy who we won the uh, title with. 
Yeah, and just like the Browns, he just cycles through general managers and coaches because he meddles in stuff that he has no fucking idea what he should be talking about. Because he thinks he knows better. I know. It's um, really upsetting. At least Haslam fired Hugh. He should have done it a very, very, very long time ago. Um, but like, I think I think you're right that there's no point in like kind of like arguing over spilled milk. And hopefully, Dorsey's just like, I'll let this guy say whatever he needs to say. But we all know I'm fucking in charge. Yeah, that's true. Um, sorry, Julie just got home and the dog just jumped up on her. The first, he's never it's done that right. before. You have to say. We all no. know you have a life. Like it's so cool. <laughs> she liked it. Ralphie, you got to stop that. You're going to kill somebody. Um, you two are going to have to be absolutely silent because we're recording. Okay. <laughs> Funny when you say that to her when you're not recording. Too. Yeah. It's a really weird life you live. Yeah. And she tells me to fuck directly off. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so brownies are really bad. Like, really bad. Yeah. But, uh, okay, and what sucks is it's not like we're doing this with a bye week coming up so we can regroup. We've got the fucking Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. Don't you think that – well, maybe don't, don't you think. Let me say this. I think that uh, naively that there will just be a spark from this team, especially from the offensive side. It feels like whatever Todd Haley thought he was doing or whatever, like – Bill Parcell, like, I'm just tough and it doesn't fucking matter, like, bullshit. Like, it feels like the team was weighed down psychologically by whatever bullshit Haley and Hugh were doing. I I completely agree. I think they all knew that, like, they were fighting a losing battle, like, even trying to be a good offense with the with the scheme and then just with, like, the, the infighting. There was just no chance that things were going to, like, start to gel. Um so I think you're right. I think there will be some ass. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on Freddie Kitchens. Like, is he just going to be, like, a shitty replacement of Todd Haley? Or is he going to be like, oh, okay, I actually know a thing or two. Like, here are some things that I think a quarterback like Baker Mayfield could do well. Which never seemed to be a concern of Todd Haley's. He never seemed. and Or Hugh Jackson's, like with Deshaun Kaiser. They were never like, even Todd Haley, what does my quarterback do well? Even Todd Haley with Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. He's like, hey, this guy who, like, runs, like, an option and scrambles well, let's put him in, like, seven-step drops. Right, right. But let's try to, like, do these, like, really slow-developing I, – like, I don't know what he – Yeah, with our, like, we were third-rate receivers, a, like, who can't create – Yeah. We were dumb. We were all up on Todd Haley's D. And <laughs> you know what? Just proves us right over and over again. If the Steelers get rid of somebody or the Patriots get rid of somebody, it's probably for a reason. Yeah, yeah, we we have got to stop deluding ourselves that, which brings me to, I really don't want um, Josh McDaniels. I realize it would be a little bit of a different scenario, but I don't, I don't, don't, don't it, it, as a replacement head coach, I mean, for our listeners, like, don't give me a guy who... Did our listeners think you just wanted to be, like, friends with Josh McDaniels? Yeah, I don't want Josh McDaniels coming over anytime soon. He's a, <laughs> Guys, if you know Josh McDaniels, please tell him to stop flying to Chicago and trying to hang out yeah, with Gates. I'm busy, and he is a slob. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I my point is, like, don't give me a guy who was successful because he had the best quarterback of all time, probably. I hate to say that as um, his quarterback. Give me – we need some young upstart. We need Lincoln Riley or that Iowa State guy everyone's talking about. Campbell. Mm-hmm. Sure. Don't know shit about him. Look, Don't know anything about any other coaches. You can, people, and not you, people can question 
Baker and Dorsey, if Baker's the best, if Dorsey knows what he's doing. But we really don't have any other option right now other than to cling to them irrationally. I, I Like, we almost have to be irrational in giving them a shot because our only hope is that he can persuade Haslam to fuck off and can continue to ca- kind of, like, gather good people around uh, around Baker. I don't think... You know, we shit on our receivers, and our receivers suck. But, like, Rashard Higgins going down hurts more than a secondary receiver going down should because he was the only guy he had any kind of rapport with. And he's a dude who's able to get open just a little bit deeper than fucking Jarvis Landry. And even though he's not going, like, super far down the field, he's opening it up just enough because Baker always knows where he can throw it to. So is that a bit of an indictment of John Dorsey, then, for putting out such a, a crap receiving core? No, I guess what the, the point is, like, look, Higgins is going to come back, and I think, like, like where the fuck has Seth DeValve been? What's the wrong yeah. with, like, putting, like, running two fucking tight end, like, short little outs, like, getting people open? I, like, Todd Haley was just, it almost felt like doing stuff to spite everyone around him in terms of his, like, like, I know we lost Gordon, and that sucks, and Callaway can go deep a little bit, but it's just, it just seems so, like, emotionally dysfunctional the last three weeks. Yeah. Even, like, like if they got it going a little bit in the second half of the Tampa game, and then I feel like all of that got quelled when right after the game the head coach was like, our offense fucking sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, They're like, wait, no, what? No, 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 no. Like, you should have said and that at time, I guess. Two but. Sorry, one more thing. Two more, two press conferences, two weeks in a row. Someone asked Hugh Jackson about a decision he made going into halftime, and his response was like, "I don't really remember what happened." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I heard that's it, crazy. I heard it with the the timeouts not used in the Pittsburgh game. What was the one before? I I feel like they were talking about uh, when they decided to go for it, even when like Baker and Todd wanted to take the points, and Hugh was like, "No, go for it." Right. And I feel like he was kind of wishy washy about some of the details then too. I just was like, dude, how, like, you are a dummy. Like, you, and, like, you're a dummy. And clearly, he was vain. He, like, cared more about what he looked like as a head coach than actually being a head coach. Going back to, like, the the hard knocks, the, like, famous interaction between them with the talking about the injuries to the players and stuff like that, like, it was just so clear just how insecure Hugh Jackson was that he, you know, when he, he's like when you sit in this chair, which by the way, talking to both his coordinators have been former head coaches, so like they know they're like one day you'll sit in this chair and you'll know how these decisions work. It's like, dude, like a good leader doesn't need to say things like that. No, not at all. In fact, like Todd is an asshole, but he wasn't wrong. And the reason he looked so good to us in Hard Knocks was because clearly anyone other than Hugh Jackson looks like they're actually coaching football, and he's just trying to like be everyone's friend and look like he's right, like he's doing like, what he thinks a head coach should do. What must it have been like in that locker room? I mean, you and I are great athletes, so we've we've had a lot of our coaches in our days. Totally. Like, when you have a coach like Hugh Jackson, who who you know just by the numbers is what the second worst coach of all time, the first being like a guy who owned. Like the Philadelphia, like Eagles in 1930, I think. Anyway, like when you know that your coach is one of the losingest coaches of all time, and he's like trying to do all his like swaggery, trust me shit. Like, what do you, what could you possibly think about a guy like that? I, 
I think he's a people pleaser. And I think it's such an underrated, like, media storyline about he plays hard. Yeah. Um, Because, like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, of course they play hard. They're also, like, all out of college and don't know that, like, you can fucking dog it yet in the NFL and still get paid. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, he, uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's a fucking people pleaser. Like, and also, like, look, you can only say, like, I got, like, remember when he was like, guys, you got to trust me about Matt Castle or, or Cody about Kessler. Uh, Cody Kessler. Trust me about Cody Kessler. Mm-hmm. There is something there that remember. Oh, also trust me about RG three. This is it. Yeah. RG three. He's the one. He, I'm like, feeling it in my bones shake or something like that. And then with Deshaun Kaiser, it was like this. This young man gives us hope, and it's like, dude, you don't need to keep saying this shit. Like no one's like. That's the thing. It was voluntary. Like no one was asking him to, and everyone's like, "Are you sure you want to fucking say this? Why don't you just like be boring or be honest? At least Haley." He's a fucking prick, but he at least was, like, more just kind of, like, tr- attempted to be honest yeah. about what was going on. Yeah. Haley like, clearly he was, like, put up in, putting up a wall because he was, like, a fucking douchebag and alienates everyone. But, I don't know, at least he faked, like, Hugh couldn't even, like, fake it well in the press conference. No, not at all. Yeah. It's not hard to, like, lie and misdirect people to talk about some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, Haley at least, like, could say the right... <laughs> God, what a dick, though. I mean, he was, like, I mean... Given that it was to Hugh Jackson, the aforementioned worst coach of all time, but Haley was like openly subordinate. Like that that Josh Gordon thing in the first Steelers game was kind of crazy that Hugh Jackson went out of his way a million times for whatever reason to be like, no, Josh won't be starting, I guess, to teach him a lesson. Because once again, he's a bad coach. But then, Look, we then Todd Haley's going, just we, like, nope, he's going out there. <laughs> we we started going to school together in, uh, in seventh grade. Yes. And I feel like Todd Haley acted exactly like any of us in seventh grade would have acted when we saw a substitute teacher come in like for homeroom that morning. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, oh, I'm going to fucking not respect anything this fucking clown has to say no matter what. Yeah, there, there will be no and consequences also, to me not respecting this person. I, and I know I cannot respect them too because they're a substitute teacher, which means they probably don't even have the gall to be a fucking regular teacher. <laughs> so, like, he walks into the situation and he's not an idiot. He knows that Hugh is like, probably gonna get fired like what incentive does he have to fucking play nice or do anything considering also that he's never played nice anywhere he's ever been ever he did really misplay his hand i mean he he was perfectly lined up and we have it on tape talking about how he is like the heir apparent to hugh jackson coming into the beginning of the season like he won the hearts and minds of browns fans just like with his candor and he was coming from running a really successful offense in pittsburgh so he was completely lined up to if the team struggled, be like, you know, be where Greg Williams is right now, be an interim head coach. <laughs> the, the big mistake he made was by being a really, really bad offensive coordinator for this team. <laughs> he, shouldn't have, he shouldn't have done that. Oh, part. man. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's an astute observation there, dude. Thanks. I think uh, sucking at his job really prevented him <laughs> from getting a promotion. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I, I say that with, with all earnestness. Yeah, as, uh, yeah. Sarcastic as that came out, I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, if you just would have been mediocre, you probably would be the head coach right now. Right. Um, but look, I mean, uh, the other scary thing about this is either one of three things happened with Todd Haley getting hired. Jimmy Haslam was like, well, he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Let's bring him over. Yeah. And John Dorsey was like, 
great. This fucking asshole's going to, he's a piece of shit and he's going to blow this shit up and Hugh are going to be terrible. And like, this will just all self combust itself and I don't have to do anything. Or John Dorsey had that same thought process and like Iago from Shakespeare, like brought him over, like knowing that they were going to blow each other up. Or the third and the scariest option is John Dorsey was like, oh, this is a good idea. God, I really hope not. I'm I I'm not going to do it, but I'd be interested to hear what like John Dorsey said about the arrangement when it first came out. It seems I imagine that it was more of a Jimmy Haslam telling Hugh that he like needed to bring in an offensive coordinator because because John Dorsey I don't think has has any authority over the coaches like in this dumbass way that Hugh Jack- or that uh, Jimmy set it up. That's true. It is so fucking unfair to every Browns fan that, like, Jimmy Haslam just liking Hugh Jackson played such a huge fucking role in him staying around Seriously. for an extra, like, almost year. Yeah. it's Like, it was literally just because you liked him, we all had to try to, like, reconvince ourselves that he, like, did anything productive or good for this organization or the development of your team. Or even that, like, like, one in 31 was, like, something that could happen to any coach. Like... He is... uh, Jimmy Haslam is the fucking constant. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's a trash person and an idiot and a crook, a literal crook. An actual living, breathing criminal. Yes. Yeah. A criminal man yeah. who just happens to be rich and white, so he just, like, goes on making money yeah. and everything's fine. Yeah, you know, I read today that the, he bought the team for, like, $950 million, and it's now worth $1.9 billion. So in the course of six years, five years since he bought the team, maybe four years, it is yeah. worth a billion dollars more. And he has just, I mean, we know what it's been like. Yeah, he's made a billion dollars fucking with all of us. Completely fucking. And with, yeah. the worst part about it is he's trying hard to not. I know. I it's know. not even like a major league situation where like the <laughs> owner's purposely fucking with the team. He's like, I'm going to really do a good job. Yeah, this is like him trying his absolute darndest. I kind of I'd be I'd be happy if if Jimmy went away and if it, like let D Haslam be as involved as she wants to be. Anyone but Jimmy. Please. How about this? How about they just let people who do football do football? Uh, yeah, that would be a good idea. What's weird about it, here's a weird fucking part about it, is that Jimmy Haslam, prior to buying the Browns, was a part owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, he was in the room with Art Rooney and the, the Rooney family, like, when they're like, let me show you how to build a franchise. Like, Art Rooney isn't fucking, like calling the coach into his office all the time for one-on-ones, I don't think. Um, I think this is much more a disease of, um, like, in the world that we live of, in where, like, Donald Trump it just thinks that he's a smart person yeah. because he's rich. Yeah. I think that has kind of exposed how every rich person thinks how much, like, better they are just because they're rich and thus informs all of their terrible decisions. And just like Trump and Dan Gilbert... And Jimmy Haslam, everyone else just feels the brunt of it because they never actually, like, have to deal with the consequences of any of their actions at any point because they're just rich and can they're live rich in enough their own to. That, that's there's definitely something to that. Uh, hold on, like, Julius, no, you're, you're all dumb. The rice and, oh, we're out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's also just I, I see this actually with like doctors a decent amount. There's there's a thing where it's like, oh, I'm pretty good at one thing. I'll be good at whatever I put my mind to now. 
And it's in the case of Jimmy Haslam, it doesn't apply because he's not a good... Or Donald Trump. They weren't good at the first things that they did. But, yeah, they had a lot of money. But just, like, people getting the idea that, like, things translate over, they, they just don't. Sash, no. Sashi Brown's another good example of that. Great salary cap guy. Yeah. Very, very bad. Great, great owner of a jazz club. Yeah. He was like, oh, I can run a football team. It's like uh, managing the saxophone guy. <laughs> I'm still not convinced, Sashi. You've been saying this for a couple of years. I don't think he ever owned a jazz club. I think you, I think you got your googling wrong there at some point, and it just uh, really one stuck of our, with you. One of our listeners hit us up, let us know, and by one of ours, I mean just Drew. Our listener, Drew hey up. Drew, our listener Drew. This is just a um, conversation <laughs> with Drew. So we should name him. At some point, we should just three-way call Drew Hanna yeah. and like do the podcast that way. So at least he could kind of get like an immediate right. Uh, you know, yeah, so he can actually give us some feedback um, in yeah, real time. Or participate himself. We, we do appreciate, uh, Drew, your texts um, as they come in. We, we Having a listener out there means the world to us. It's why we do really this. It really does. Gates, are you going to be in Cleveland for Thanksgiving? Um, I will not, actually. I don't, have, uh, I don't have the time off, so I'm sticking around here. We're going to try to broil our own turkey or whatever it is you do with turkey that's not what you do with turkey <laughs> well maybe i'll uh may, maybe drew and i will get together and we can get do a little a little three-man weave that would be great that's a great idea because um you know we got to keep it fresh on this on this pod got to keep it fresh and drew deserves it you yeah. know he's been with us for a long time that's, that's true we'll do um, it for drew. um so okay <laughs> let me let's let's end quickly just talking about this what so where do we go from here this season like what is what would you consider being like a kick save of this season? Uh, Baker Mayfield is alive. Yeah. <laughs> Mayfield is, is um, able to Baker ambulate May- without the assistance. Baker of Mayfield is alive. Um, prosthesis. Receivers get put in positions to catch the ball. Seth Duvall uh, catches the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, we run an offense that Baker can like get the ball out faster. Um, maybe we put Batonio back out at tackle and let our like basically first round guard play a little yeah, bit. And seems like a, a like, good enough idea to me. I don't know football well enough to know whether like the scheme that Haley was running or whatever was happening. Why both of our tackles just all of a sudden seem like they were junior varsity players? Yeah, they were like, but, like whoa, that guy's fast. Because he yeah. ran by him. I know. I <laughs> Just like, just Desmond Harrison just getting pushed back into the lap for the last yeah. two and a half weeks. It, it um, made some sense to go with, like, Petonio's obviously a, a, like, A-plus guard. And maybe, like, a B-minus tackle. And then whoever would replace him, instead of an A-plus guard there, you would suddenly have a B guard. But that made sense when we had, like, far-fetched wildcard aspirations. It doesn't make sense anymore now because now the goal has to be like keeping, as you said, keeping Baker alive, like letting him get some sort of development throughout the season rather than just running for his life. So I'm I'm in agreement with you that like that at least should very much be explored again. I mean, the last like, well, the last 11 quarters minus or last 10 quarters out of 12 minus the second half of the Tampa game. Our offense has suddenly appeared to be in, like, an existential crisis. Yeah. So really just, like, any, like, comfort or confidence and not just getting Baker just getting the shit kicked out of him would be nice. We're back to just, like, begging for, like, 
some semblance of what was happening for the first month. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be totally fine by me. Um just yeah, that would, Okay, so yeah, I think I think basically Baker just not not getting like Tim couched or like David Look, we David w- Carr. We wanted this to be a development. Yeah, David. Yeah, uh, yeah David was the Derek uh, is current. No. David was the one who yeah, got Carr. like destroyed on the expansion text. Yeah, a hundred percent correct. I think that like the problem with also why they were both fired was the amount of regression that happened so quickly. Yeah, was so shocking. That no matter, even if Dorsey, let's say, at worst case scenario, thought bringing in Haley would be a good idea, he realized that literally it was addition. It was true addition by subtraction. And if you're going to get rid of Haley, you can't keep Hugh around because it's just his bullshit is insufferable. Yeah. You, his bullshit is just insufferable. You I don't care if he was guys. dealt a, a bad hand. Yeah. He's just it, like, listen, it's just he. He just makes excuses. He makes excuses for himself or for other people, and then he blames everyone else but himself. There's no way he doesn't have any accountability. So how can anyone else? Also, like Baker clearly was like over Hughes bullshit. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying the reports of that coming out. That basically like <laughs> Baker's not gonna miss Hugh if you know what I'm saying, because um, it makes me think Baker really knows what he's doing. <laughs> it would be upsetting if Baker was like, I think Coach Jackson was like really the guy to lead this team, because then you'd really have to question how Baker Mayfield perceives the world and football. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting, at least, to watch. I mean, it, it sucks that one of the best um, teams in the NFL is coming to town. It would be nice if we had someone like like the, I don't know, who's like middle of the road, <laughs> like the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I... I Look, their their defense isn't anything that like scares anyone. That's true. Um, and they and they have a ton of penalties. And like, look, yeah, we might not be able to stop them a lot, but like, just some offense and some special teams competency. Special and teams. I don't yeah. like. I, you know what I don't buy into at all? Everyone outside of Cleveland joking that Greg Williams is like the bounty gate guy. Like, fine. Like, I don't care. He was still. Like, whether you like him or not, he was still, like, the only adult in the room between our three big coaches. Yeah, very much so, the only guy. Like, and, yeah, I, I completely And even agree. if, like, he could also still be a person who is full of shit and a blowhard and not great at his job. But compared to what Todd Haley and Hugh have been doing, they like, the Browns' defense gives up a lot of yards, but they have a lot of takeaways. Yeah, right. He's, like... He, like, you know what he's you're going to get with him. He you know he's, he's like... executing, he like, his style of defense very well. And, yeah, we're, like... It get, he gets exposed quite a bit, but he's doing exactly the thing that he preaches to do, which is, like, get turnovers. And every metric in the world shows that, like, teams that have a plus turnover margin, and especially teams that fucking lead the league in turnover margin like we do, are supposed to do well. So, like, yeah, Greg Williams isn't the problem. He's not the solution, but he's certainly not the problem. Yeah. So I think more than anything else, I I hope to see a sense of just relief from the team because I'm glad this fucking Hugh Jackson shit is over. Me I feel too. like... Uh, like thank God, it's been such a thank God. I don't have to listen to that fucking doofus anymore. Curse to have him. Seriously, like like what a dumbass. He's so he just uh, he just never looked like he knew what was happening. No, never. Like you're ever. Like is is that the face he made when he like played Madden? Like it's <laughs> like he's like rules surprise him. Ah, oh, God, I I really hated him. Remember how he used to talk about himself in the third person a lot? At least at the beginning, he's like Hugh Jackson's here, baby, and you're like oh. And it turns out that means um, you are fucked. (laughs) 
Now we know uh, when Hugh Jackson's here, you go three, 36, and one. Maybe it was the problem. Maybe, like, they never let him finish, and he was just going to go, Hugh Jackson's here, baby. Your fucking fun days are over. <laughs> yeah, like like the shitty nanny. Yeah. He's like, I'm actually mean. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's that's what Hugh Jackson was. He's a shitty nanny that, like, the moment your parents leave, is like, now you're going to clean my feet. I don't know. I never had a nanny <laughs> that did that. My nannies are all fine. But, um... That's not like a thing that nannies do. I couldn't think of anything else. Um, uh, no one's listening great. though. So especially now, over thirty minutes in. Yeah. Um, no, this felt like a good, uh, a good cathartic pod. Felt like it felt nice to be like angry and shitty back where we kind of like yeah, were really in our groove. That's our wheelhouse, know? baby. Like, what was fun about like thinking we were going to make the playoffs? No, yeah. There's no, there's no joy to be had there. No, it's better to lose all like, the time than to win most of the time. Well, winning most of the time, I'm definitely interested in that feeling. No, but to no, win no. a couple times, that's where uh, you're right. I don't want to get greedy. No, that would make you. Uh, I mean, what do you want to be like a Boston fan? You want to have just won the World Series and um, your team is rolling and Josh Gordon's a godsend and everything is working perfectly for you all the time? No, you don't want that. No, you want to be. I know. I know you went to college there, but boy, Boston can suck my ass. Yeah, no, they, they can are, suck. It's like the worst place. It's 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 hard. It's just hard. Um, ugh. no, you don't. Why do that. they always vote for a Republican governor? I don't know. It's actually pretty confusing. I don't totally get it. I feel like every time I look at like Massachusetts, like Romney or like the guy who's run, rerunning this year is like up like thirty five points. But it's like a blue state, like yeah. But he's also like a. I'm a businessman with a conscience, and like, current guy? but somehow it just is. flies. I don't know, but it just flies. I don't know. It's weird. Boston, Massachusetts is weird. Yeah, Massachusetts is weird. Yeah, Whatever. thank God. I'm getting married there. That'll be fun. Oh yeah, you are. Hopefully, your uh, minister doesn't listen to this, or whoever the marriage license uh, bureau. Uh, that would be my. Uh, uh, lovely friend Tom DeTrinis, one oh. of the uh, most lovely gay men I know. Oh, we, uh, Mary Beth and I. Fantastic. So, shout out Tom DeTrinis, big friend of the show. Listen, if there is one thing I can guarantee in this world, it's that Tom DeTrinis will never, ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> and he's like so many other people in the world for that reason. Sure, absolutely. He's one of millions. <laughs> One of millions who will never listen. I might say billions. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know what? You you can say billions. Yeah, you, you could. Just go ahead and say it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's put this this thing to rest. Like the like the career of Hugh Jackson. At this point, <laughs> we're not doing anyone any good. We're that is getting true. worse uh, as time goes on. That is true, and uh, that's why we're gonna let uh, Greg Williams take over this podcast. Gates, what do you want to plug? God, I wish one of these days I'm going to have something to plug. Um, but I, I don't. I just, I got nothing. Uh, Jules, do you have anything to plug? What, what's, what are we, what are you cooking over there? Oven, Judy Hesser's oven fried chicken. Ooh, Judy Hesser's oven fried chicken is my big plug for the day. Uh, nice. Uh, Shout out to them. Yeah, it's, it's flavorful, it's zesty, and it's just, it's just fun. That's fun. What do you got going on? Um, let's see. All of our fans in Atlanta. I'm at the Laughing Skull on Friday in Atlanta. You're going to Atlanta? 
going to Hotlanta, doing some stand-up. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and then I'm going to the New South Comedy Festival in Greenville, South Carolina. Excellent. For all you Browns fans that we went to high school with who live in Greenville, South Carolina, There's, come on out. Yeah, no, they'll be there. It's gonna be, you're going to have to ask them to, to, to book a bigger venue, probably. Line out the door. That's, what the, that's my middle name. Peter, line out the door, Moses. Um, well, Gates, right. I assume we'll be talking about a loss next week, but hopefully we're not as angry about yeah. it. I don't know. It'll be it, it'll be interesting. It, at least, you know what? We're free of the absolute, like, having to everything bad that happens within a game, like every bad play, every bad decision, having to just be seeding angry with Hugh Jackson. Now we can just be back to <laughs> just being like, oh, boy, we really suck, huh? But we don't need to, we don't need to have that personal hatred aspect of it, which is good. Amen to that. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be nice. All right, man. We will uh, talk next week. If we Go win this game this season, maybe next year they ship. And I'm like, whoa, it's July, so I got hope. Haven't seen us lose yet, oh, could not suck, you never know. Oh, loyalty strong won't ever fold. I can't switch teams now, I'm too old. We could be good, you never know. Hey, it's July up in Cleveland. I'm feeling like believing. We're looking at our roster. It doesn't look that odd.